Anybody ever feel like one of those uh, folks in those shots that uh, the junk of life is crowding out your life? And uh, that's what this series is about, that there's, a, there's something else that God is doing in our life. We're not saying yes to Jesus isn't have it saying yes to just one more commitment and one more burden in our life. It's actually saying yes to cutting a whole lot of junk loose and living a life that's free and walking baggage free. The thing is, is that that happens to we get we get licensed to lose it immediately. But some of us forget. We kind of get used to it. There's this uh, story in the Bible of this guy that fights and he kills hundreds of men in a day. And the Bible says that he fought so fiercely and so long that his hand, the old King James Version says, he, it clave to the sword. Anybody ever run a jackhammer? This is the closest thing I've ever experienced, of something claving to the... But that, all that vibration, and you, you have to like drag your hands off of it, and you can't open them up. This guy sat here, and he would just fought so intently... So intently that when, it was the, when the battle was over and there were hundreds of dead enemy soldiers around, he couldn't put the sword down. It was, it was just, it was just his muscles had just locked up. I think there's sometimes that, that you and I can end up doing that with the baggage that we, we carried around so long. We, it's, it's, it's over. The victory's won. Christ won it. But why, why do we still have this? And this whole series about that is about, okay, let's chill. Let's relax. Let's lose the grip on this stuff and let's live free and let's travel light because that is what <clears throat> Jesus did for us. So what I want you to do is crack open your bulletins, get open your version notes, however you prefer to go through this. And we want to just jump into the meat of this right off the bat. <clears throat> this is kind of the concept that we want to, uh, and we want to be chewing on during this series is that as we journey through life with Christ and we allow the Spirit to grow us from the inside out. Folks, you're going to hear that here all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, I, as a pastor, I can't do anything to grow you. Man, I want to. We pray for your growth. We try to position different things to help you grow. But I, I can't make you grow. It has to be you cooperating with the Holy Spirit that produces the growth. Now, I can teach you to put on a smiley face and I can teach you to say churchy Christian words, but that don't mean you're growing. Okay? We're talking about real life change here. That's what we're talking about. And what this comes about isn't about playing church. It's about letting Jesus make us into the church. Okay? And that's what this is about. And let's look at Matthew 11. This is the, the kind of the, the scripture we're going to keep coming back to week after week. And uh, it's Matthew 11. And this is what Jesus is, is telling us. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We have some learning to do, folks. As soon as we take his, his yoke, we begin that learning process. That yoke is the, is the thing that they put on the animal so that they could steer them and, and keep them in line. We begin to learn as we're under Christ's yoke. <clears throat> He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And this is such good news. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor, that's a word we don't use. Okay? This is, I'm just going to say the hard-headed knucklehead. Okay? We, I think we can understand being a hard-headed, I want it my way knucklehead. Okay? That's the transgressor. Okay? The way of the transgressor is hard. Okay? That's, what, that's when yuck and the weight of life comes in. But Jesus' yoke 
is easy and his burden is light. And today we want to look at this thing that man Christians can just get under so, so quick. Okay? And it's this thing called guilt. We don't want to be under guilt. God does not direct us by guilt. God does not manipulate us by guilt. People should not be allowed to manipulate you or use guilt in your life. We should be able to live this free from the baggage and the weight of that. Because see, guilt will choke the life out of your life. Guilt will just put a stranglehold on you. And that is why Jesus set you free from your own guilt. Now we walked into this thing with some guilt. We walked into this thing with some guilt. But what we have to understand is that Jesus then took that. He took it from us. Okay? There is this, but we want to clarify something initially, okay? This, what we're not talking about is the story about the old guy who he'd go to the, go up to have a, a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast at the diner. But he had to change diners all the time. And he, he walked into this diner and uh, sits there and orders his bowl of steaming hot oatmeal and a glass of ice water for it. And the, the waiter puts the steaming hot oatmeal down and takes the ice water. And the guy grabs the ice water and chunks it in the waiter's face. And then grab some napkins. Go, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just, I don't know why I do this. I just have this compulsion. I, I, I just, I, I just want to do it. I get in and I order it. And I have to change restaurants all the time. And the guy's just ticked. He's just hosed with water at the beginning of his day. And he's like, look, I'm never serving you ever again. You just don't even come into this diner ever again. Guy doesn't see the guy in the diner for months and months. And finally the guy walks in and the guy goes, I know you get out of here. Get. He's not, no, seriously, seriously, I've been in therapy. I have been in therapy. I, I knew this was an issue. I told you it was an issue of mine. But I've been in therapy. My psychologist says I'm good. And he says, okay, okay. What do you want? I, well, I want my oatmeal and I want my water. Sets the oatmeal down, sets the water down. The guy grabs the water and chunks it in his face. And he's like, I thought you were fixed. I thought your psychologist said it was fixed. He says, yeah, I still want to do it. I just don't feel guilty anymore. That's not what we're talking about, folks. We're not talking about living this life of doing the same destructive junk over and over again and just going, whoo, yeah, no biggie, I'm cool. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about living guilt-free, we're not talking about what the diet stuff says that, because uh, it's, like, it's guilt-free this and guilt-free that. Well, it's, it's, I want to eat it like it's sinful and not make it hurt my waistline. That's that whole thing. I want all the pleasure and none of the, the ugly. That is what marketers use when we talk about guilt-free. We're talking about something completely, completely different. What we're talking about is this, this weight, this shame, this unending regret, this baggage of this thing that Christ has set you free from, that you have walked away from that deal, and that for some reason you still identify with the regret and the shame of that. And it hurts and it keeps your life in bondage. We are talking about walking away from that. Because, see, there is a difference between conviction and guilt. There's a difference between the two. There's this good thing. There's uh, had a had one of my youth years and years and years ago. He's, pa- he's the youth pastor down in... Uh, um, Sulphur Springs, we actually go and when we go to camp, we go and hang out with him for an evening whenever we go there. And his, his youth ministry is just tearing it up, doing great. And his, uh, 
His uh, daddy's a good friend of mine as well, pastor in a great church there. And, uh, but when Brian was little, he, uh, he was about uh, four years old, and he'd come, there was a, about a week there that he'd go in and he'd tell his parents, Terry and Sandy, he'd say, man, man, mama, there's, a, there's this little boy on our street, on our street, and man, he just, he cusses so bad. He cusses, they're like, well, you know, that's not good, you know, you just don't, you know, just don't say those words, or just, just don't play with him if he won't quit it, just tell him you can't hang out with him if he's going to say those kind of words, because you can't be around that, and as soon as he quits, you can be around him, and he's like, okay, okay, so then a couple of days later, he comes in, and says, man, there's, there's this little boy, and, and uh, that he just, he just cusses, he just uses bad words all the time, and he reveals this to Sandy, and he reveals it to Terry, and then they end up having a powwow, and reveal, wait a second, He's revealed this to both of us a couple of times. So finally, they begin to kind of pull the little, <clears throat> a little four-year-old Brian in and say, um, you know, Brian, there's, what about this little boy that's, you know, that cusses on our street? He said, oh, yeah, this little boy, he cusses. It's just terrible. He says, and they found out, Brian, are you that little boy? Yes. <laughs> and uh, this, this thing where he, what he was having was some conviction that he needed to deal with something and he didn't quite know how to handle it at four years old. He didn't, he didn't want to get himself in trouble. He didn't quite know how to handle it. There are some things where God will begin to bring some, some place into our lives and say, okay, this piece of your life, this choice, this pattern, this whatever, this needs to end. And you begin to see that it's destructive and you begin to see that it's unhealthy for yourself or for others. And that's just this place of conviction and it leads to life. And it doesn't carry shame or guilt or any of that kind of ugliness with it. It's just conviction. It is God leading us. Okay, That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this incredible debilitating remorse. And it actually comes into this place of an unforgiveness of self. I was actually watching a major uh, news <clears throat> broadcaster this week and uh, I got to stay home with the kids and work from the house with Colin and and uh, Cutie and uh, anyway so here is on this major news carry and it said talking about the link between cancer because of course October you know breast cancer awareness month and the link between cancer and unforgiveness and so here's this doctor that is talking about and they said it's cutting-edge research it's still in its in its infancy but they are seeing connections between people that have deep-seated unforgiveness and higher rates of cancer. And of course, he goes on to say, we're not saying that if you forgive, you're going to all of a sudden be cancer-free, or you know that if you stay in a place of forgiveness, you're never going to get cancer. But they're just seeing, seeing just from these, uh, from these uh, experiments and these studies that there is this connection Bible ta- tells us, you know, that <clears throat> that this broken spirit that it it's, it's, it it dries the bones, it, it hurts us even physically, folks. We have to get to this place where we can live even in a place of forgiveness of self. See, Psalms thirty-eight four says, "My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear." And I tell you what, that is just an ugly, ugly place to be when your worst enemy is staring you in the mirror every day. When you are so mad at yourself for something that you did, whether it was two days ago or 20 years ago, and that it's under the blood and it's forgiven in Christ's eyes, and, and you're, you're, you are free from that, and you still beat yourself up. 
there has to be this place where that is taken care of. And us as Christians, we're just, we're just bad about this. I got a little video I want to roll you that just kind of, I think, helps bring some light on the subject. I'm not guilty of or anything. I'm just waiting for someone. Number 47. Number 47. Number 47. About time. What? Come on, I do not have all day. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh... Well, you should be. But then again, that's why you're here, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I think here is the right place. Uh, that's where they sent me. Who is they? The uh, Office of Paybacks. Oh, good people. Go on. Well, they thought that you might be able to help me with my problem. <laughs> well, from the looks of things, I doubt it. But uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me what your problem is, and we'll try. Okay, well, I don't really know how to say this. Oh, please, I can hardly stand the suspense. I'm sorry. Look, the Department of Redundancy Department is two doors down. <laughs> Okay, fine. I just don't feel like I'm living up to people's expectation of me. Finally. Now we're getting somewhere. Well, you're certainly in the right place. Let's start your paperwork. So what'll it be? Failure of motherhood form GA-429, neglectful wife form GA-176, or kitchen deficiencies form GA-299. There's a form for all of these. Listen. You came down here because you feel guilty, remember? Here's how it works. You come to us. You fill out a form for all the areas in your life where you're failing. And in four to six weeks, we will send you a complete evaluation of what a truly lousy person you are and exactly how badly you should feel about it. Oh, I feel worse already. Well, we aim to please. So, which form will it be? Or do you need one of each? Uh, do you have one for being a lousy Christian? Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh-oh? We get a lot of you Christians in here. Guilt is a big thing with you people. But I hate to tell you this. You're in the wrong place. Oh. You Christians don't need a guilt administrator. Why not? Well, I've seen it a thousand times, so I decided to do a little bit of research. It appears that you have this grace thing going for you. Oh, oh I know all about that. The thing is, I'm not very good at being a Christian, so. Oh. Well, yeah, I just don't feel like I'm living up to God's expectation of me. You know, I mean, I try really hard. It's just I can't seem to get it all together. I, I must have broken like a million rules. You mean like the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule and all that stuff? I make that like a million and eleven. Look, 
this really isn't my place and I could lose my job. But I can tell you, I really think that you got it all wrong. No, I don't. Please, just give me the form and I'll fill you it out. You don't up. need any forms. All you need is this. Oh, wait. That's how I got here in the first place, okay? All the rules and expectations. No. No one gets to a guilt administrator except they go through me. And I'm telling you, you don't belong here. Well, what am I supposed to do now? I tell you what. You take this. You do your research. See what you think. Now, I got work to do. Go on. Next. Um, can I get one of those? Tell you what, sometimes we have a hard time just really buying into the fact that it's true. It just seems too easy. You know, I've even heard other believers and theologians begin to try to call this concept cheap grace. Like, um, hello, there's nothing cheap about it. It costs heaven's best. It costs God his son for us to enjoy this kind of grace. This isn't about things just being swept under the rug. This is about the fact that, we, that the penalty is paid and we really are free. This is about God putting things back the way they should have been. Let's look at Genesis 2.25. We see that there, Adam and Eve, this is in reference to them, that the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were naked and there was no guilt. There was no shame about it whatsoever. Why? <clears throat> Why was there not? Well, because they had not eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yet. They just lived in the area of good. And in the area of good, there's nothing improper about the naked form whatsoever. Had we not, there been this, this place of this... Uh, um, where we had walked through and not gone into this fallen state, we would, and nobody, which the odds of that were slim to none, and uh, that, uh, <clears throat> but if we were still in the garden spot, then we would, we'd be naked. And we wouldn't sit here, we'd be interacting with God direct, and we wouldn't be sitting here learning how to get over our guilt to be able to, to have a relationship with God. That, that there was this place where there was no shame whatsoever. And that is where God wants us to be, that we can have this direct interaction with Him without this weight of this guilt and this shame. See, Galatians 5.1 tells us that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, Paul is talking to these, to these people who are having to, on purpose, stave off. There is an attack against them where these People that are come in and started teaching them that they had to live by rules all over again. And Paul is just being hardcore. Don't you dare get back into that. Because guess what? God didn't set us free so that we get a do-over and we can now try to live the rules right. It's one like we got extra lives in a video game, folks. All of a sudden, boom, we, everything's completed. It's all done in Christ. That we really are free. He set us free just because He likes us free. He didn't set us free so that we could be this army for Him. Although we get to participate and we get to be a part of the kingdom. He didn't <clears throat> set us free so that we could do certain things for Him. He set us free because He likes us free. It's just because He loves you. Not because He then wanted to get something out of you. God is so wonderfully benevolent. <clears throat> 
And so what we see is that even in the areas where we would love a redo, where we would just, God, you just give me a redo. I want a redo, please. That we must embrace that though we may not be innocent, we're now not guilty. Okay? We try to look at this thing and go, okay, well, you know, that I, I understand and I look back that I am, that, I, that I'm not innocent there. I really did make a mistake. I really did mess things up there. But see, the beautiful thing is, is that now, that that's why Jesus came and dealt with it. Because we weren't innocent. But now in Christ, the verdict has been handed that we're not guilty. We don't have to carry that. He did it for us. And so many times it's hard for us to understand this. We're going to get into do it in just a little minute. But I want us to see that Paul, if he, anybody, any of the New Testament writers had a reason to live under guilt and shame and woe and, and talk about how he's just this sinner saved by grace, muddling through and all this stuff, Paul had it. He didn't. <clears throat> he is the writer of Romans 8, 1 that we're going to get to in a minute. But let's look at Acts 7. It says, And when they heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, in his risen form, this is, this is after Jesus has died and ascended into heaven, and sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And this, he says, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing there at the right hand of God. As at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, which later his name is changed to Paul. Here he is. There's, Stephen is seeing into the throne room of God. He's not just a nice little Christian. He's in the middle where he sees Jesus there at the right hand of God and says it. And people get so mad at him. They drag him in that place of communion with God and take rocks and hit him with them until he dies. And Paul is there lending his support to it and watching the good so nobody steals their stuff while they kill Stephen. And then this is the guy that later comes in and, and had, had persecuted the early church, and now he becomes one of the, the greatest leaders of the early church. And this is the same guy that writes so boldly in Romans 8, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Same guy. So boldly. I don't know, I've done some boneheaded stuff, folks. And, uh, but you know what? I, I've never drug somebody out of a, of a direct God visitation and, and stoned them to death. You know, I have not done that one. So we do this little stupid human, human comparison thing. Then uh, maybe Paul's on a little lower rung than me. And, uh, and yet he embraces this fact that he is absolutely, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, and he doesn't carry it with him. And that is just so beautiful. And so what we have to understand is the truth is that justice has been served. And I tell you what, you know, we here in America, we are about justice and our justice system. And part of why we carry this guilt is that we don't distinguish between innocence and not guilty. That there is this not guilty verdict on us for something that we weren't innocent over and that somehow justice ought to be paid and Jesus, I thank you that I'm not going to hell but I'm just going to 
I'm going to live like I deserve hell while I'm on this planet just to kind of do my justice part. No, that's just absolutely, it's absolutely ridiculous. The truth is that justice has been served. We can't add any, any to it. We can't do any better of a job. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just. It's right. It's right. I always thought it was this thing that, that God was like, because, you know, if I was God, you know, I'd say, you know, well, you, one of my boys was going to have to be the, you know, the one, you know. And that when I was younger, I thought, okay, well, this is kind of this nepotism thing. Well, of course, Jesus is king of kings because, you know, he's God's son. And if we say, you know, we're all cool with Jesus, then God's going to go, okay, you played the game right. Now I'm going to just kind of whisk your little sins under the rug here and all is going to be cool, you know. But you don't and I'm going to pull them right back out and throw them in your face again. And that's not what it is at all. They really are eradicated. They really are taken care of. Now, some people have a hard time with this because we, like I said, we do this dumb thing of comparing sins. You know, that there's the really bad sin. There's the white lie. It's kind of bad a little bit. And then there's just the horrible, terrible genocide, atrocity, rape, murder, all the yuck. Okay? And that's just horrible. And those people just need, we just need to send them all to hell anyways. You know, we just, just send them. And, uh, you know, we just, as humans, we just, we just, we just have that, you know. And typically, the average person thinks that um, people that are worse than them are the ones that go to hell. Most of There are some people that feel like they carry this guilt around and they think they deserve hell. But for the most part, we have this thing. And a lot of people have, this, have a hard time wrapping their mind around how a just God can have the same punishment for everything. That, well, let's just take somebody we're all going to agree is a pretty nice person. We're going to say Mother Teresa. She spent her life helping the, helping the, the downtrodden. And, um, that, but she She sinned. She did. The Bible says there's none without sin, not a single one. And so she sinned, and then we're going to take somebody that's just terrible, horrible, and we'll grab a Hitler on the other end, because we can all agree that Hitler was a pretty messed up guy. And, uh, and so that somehow, that their, both of their sins deserved death. That just, is, that just is jacked up to our human mind. We're like, well, how does this work, God? Why? That, that's, just, that's just messed up. I think you kind of ought to have to like be a sliding scale, and then you like slip into the whole death thing. Okay, but here, listen to me. This is what this God's just. Okay, because if <clears throat> Mother Teresa and Hitler's the way they're sent, all the messed up stuff Hitler did, all the little bit of stuff that Mother Teresa did, they got the same punishment. Okay, so what if Hitler did Mother Teresa's stuff? What would Hitler's punishment be? Death. What if Hitler did Mother Teresa's stuff and my stuff? What would his punishment be? Death, separation from God, hell. Okay, let's say that now all of a sudden one person committed all the sin that ever human that ever lived and is ever going to live committed. What would the punishment be? Death, hell, separation. So if it was this sliding scale, then it could be piled up so much that maybe one thing couldn't cover it. But because there is one punishment, it is totally fair and it is totally right and it is totally just for Jesus to have paid the price and all of us say, you know what, add mine to the pile. His covers me and I'm done. I am now guilt-free because he took care of what I was owed. 
That is why it's just. It's not just merciful. Jesus being willing to do it was merciful. The fact that legally he could do it, that's the justice part. I just love God. I just don't leave anything uncovered. It's just beautiful. It says, um, and John 16, John 16 says, But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will <clears throat> send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Like, okay, hear the Holy Spirit. Give him a guilt. Okay, no, no, no. Finish. Let's finish here. What Jesus is telling us, the Holy Spirit's going to convict us of guilt in regard to sin. In regard to sin, because men did not believe in me. That's what the Holy Spirit said. If you don't believe, that's, the, that's what he's saying. There's guilt in regard to sin because you haven't embraced the fact that I'm, I'm going to cover this stuff. That I've, that I've got this. <clears throat> I said in regard to righteousness because he's going to the Father and he's making it all right. He said, hey, hey I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you you're righteous because of that. <clears throat> and he says, we'll see me no more. And in regard to judgment, you know, okay, this is me. I'm going to stand before the judgment throne and that's where he's going to control me with guilt. Is you know, oh yeah, don't you gonna stand before God? There's gonna be a judgment. Here's what the Holy Spirit, here's the judgment the Holy Spirit is talking about. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stand condemned. The judgment the Holy Spirit is talking to you about is that your enemy's been judged. He's already been condemned. That's what the Holy Spirit is talking to us about. That believe on him, understand that because he's at the Father, we're righteous and the devil's judged. Let's live free. All this other junk, all this other guilt that comes from the enemy, folks. And he tries to act like some, put on his little Christian robes and try to act all this stuff and carry us under judgment. But once again, I want us to see Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So what we need to do is we need to make sure... Because when we don't allow God to take our guilt bag and cover our sins, we will always resort back to working for our righteousness. We will always resort back to working for forgiveness. We always will. We'll get back under it, and then we'll try to do penance. And we'll try to serve God and get His approval again. I'm telling you, folks, that is not how He wants us to interact with Him. If it is by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would not be grace. It's grace, folks. 2 Corinthians 12 tells us, My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. The lady in the video, I'm just not very good at being a Christian. His grace is made perfect in weakness. We can go, yes! His grace even works for us cruddy Christians. People are shocked when they find out I have a church. Grace works for you. It's awesome. You go to church? Yeah, I go to church. It's a blankety-blank awesome church. Don't hurt my feelings if people cuss a little bit saying our church is good. (laughs) Um, But it's sufficient. And again, Romans 8. I'm just belaboring this, I know. That therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So as we shut this thing down, I want you to understand that when you put the guilt bag down, in our bank, and I, we've got a song I, I want to just drive this home with. And if they can go ahead and come in place. That um, when we put the guilt bag down, first off, it changes how we relate to people. All of a sudden, when we're not controlled by guilt, we don't control others by guilt. We don't try to manipulate them by that. All of a sudden, life gets so much easier. Philippians 2, 
let's just know that if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, being guilt-free ought to encourage your socks off. If any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. It also changes how we relate to God. Hebrews 12 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He dealt with the shame for us so we don't have to live a shame-filled, guilt-filled life. Ah, We can interact with God knowing that He took that for us and He ain't trying to put it back on us. And it changes how we're used by God. See, Psalms 18.35 says, You give me your shield of victory and your hand sustains me. You stoop down and you make me great. God wants to release His stamp, His DNA He has put on you and that guilt holds you back. And He wants to use you in that, in that strong way. I just want you all to just embrace this as our team just sings this over you. Because I tell you what, it really is only grace. There is no guilt here There is no shame No pointing fingers There is no blame What happened yesterday Has disappeared Dirt is washed away, and now it's clear. There's only grace, there's only love, there's only mercy, and believe me, it's enough. Your sins are gone without a trace, there's nothing left now. Only hey, 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 hey. You're starting over now Under the sun You're reaching forward now Your new life has begun Oh, your new life has begun and There is no there's only love, there's only mercy, and believe me, it's enough. Oh, your sins are gone, oh, without a change, there's nothing left now, it's only grace. And if you should fall again, Get back up, get back up, reach out and take my hand. Get back up, get back up, get back up again. Won't you get back up again? There's only grace, there's only love, there's only mercy, and believe me. 
It's enough, it's enough Your sins are gone Without a trace There's nothing left There's only Sins are gone Oh, without a trace Oh, nothing left now There's only good Folks, for us to be the believers and the church that God has, has called us to be, we have to let this stuff go. We have to let this stuff go. And it's not all of a sudden say, saying, it's okay that we did it. It's now saying, those mistakes aren't holding us back anymore. They really are gone. They really have been, <clears throat> we've been set free from that. Because at this point, there's now, folks, there's only one thing that's left to do. And that's give God our guilt. Roll it onto Him. Roll it onto Him. Because folks, when God asks us to let go of something, He's simply working to get us to live in the freedom that Jesus has already made available to us. Already. Already. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Let's live in that. Why put it off? Why put it off? Folks, I'd just appreciate it if you just kind of bow your heads. And in this moment, 